Welcome to Wellversed, where we bring biblical principles of governance to governmental leaders and you. This is the Wellversed podcast. So excited for you to meet Kirk Elliott. Kirk has a better memory than I do. He remembers how many times we've met in the past, and I can remember all those. This man has served on the board of Jim Dobson's, Dr. James Dobson's ministry. He's a, been a member of the CNP Council on National Policy. Uh, he has several earned doctorates. And he's going to talk to you about some phrases you might never have heard before, the Bank of International Settlements. He's going to talk about the Ledger Fund. He's going to talk about the Iceberg Project, the Aurora Project, stuff that's extremely important. Kurt, I am so honored to have you on. Thank you for being with us tonight. Talk to us. Well, it is so great to be with you, Dr. Jim. And, and first, I just wanted to, to thank Nathaniel for his, for his courage. Right? It's, it's not too often that I see somebody that's 23 that has that kind of courage that's fighting, kind of following the in the footsteps of of like Valenza, right? Who who was fighting for for workers' rights in communist Poland. Now you're fighting for religious freedom in communist Canada, right? So so keep up the good work. That's just really awesome. And 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 I say that because literally we get hundreds of calls every single day into our office and people are paralyzed and gripped with fear but over because what we're going to go over today is is a little dark or a lot dark right but but jesus gives us an answer right and and you know when when there was the storm raging on the sea of of galilee right it's like jesus was out there walking on water and and then peter's out there it's like wakes up and says jesus what are you doing there's a storm right and and what does Jesus say? He says, come to me. So what does Peter do? He, he gets out of the boat. He starts walking on water and he was doing fine until he looked around and he saw the storm and then he started to sink, right? So I think this is a message to all of us right now is when he was focused on the solution, he was just fine. When he was focused on the storm, he started to sink, right? So so this is where in, in this world that we're, we're living in right now, because the stuff I'm going to go over is is really it's really dark, but focus on the solution. There's hope in this message, right? So, so in, in Revelation, you know, 16 through 19, here, I'm just going to, you know, read it as, as we're catching into that scripture, right? It also forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hands or their foreheads so that they could not buy or sell unless they had to mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of its name, right? Okay, so remember that they could not buy or sell. So what we're talking is about today is the Bank of International Settlements, the World Economic Forum, the the central bank of the United States, central banks all over the world. But I'm going to give you a little bit of a timeline, because we've been talking about this stuff for decades, right? But this has started to hit supernatural, like speed, like nothing we've ever seen. So if we go back to 2019, August 9th, the Federal Reserve docket OP-1670 is, is when all of this, the, the, uh, the intrusion on our privacy started and in the banking world. So I'm going to read you a quote from this federal docket, OP-1670. I'm going, to, I'm going to reference a lot of things so you know that it's not just my opinion, but these are real, legit policies, legislation that's taking place. So we're they're talking about money. This is on the Federal Reserve's website. They're talking about what money does. It's a store of value. It's a medium of exchange. It's a unit of a, an account. For example, 
you have a $5 bill, $10 bill, $20 bill. It has a number. You, you, you trade it back and forth with people to buy stuff. And you're hoping that in the future, it has a store of value, right? It, that's the purchasing power of a dollar from the present to the future. But they added a fourth function of money, not just a unit of exchange or, you know, a holder of, you know, purchasing power holder of value. Um, they added a fourth function of money as a means of social control in this docket. It's like social control. What does that have to do with money? Oh, has everything to do with money. If you control the purse strings and when people can buy or sell based on your ideology, right? So this is where it starts to get a little bit squirrely. Now, central bank digital currency is where this all kind of boils into this one thing because central bank digital currency is moving from paper-based money like what we have right now and all over the world to a digital version of, of paper-based money, right? So it's now digital. When it's digital, it can be tracked. There, it has all transparency behind it, right? They know the source of all the funds, what the funds are gonna be used for, who owns the funds, right? So on March 9th of 2022, uh, President Biden um, issued Executive Order 14067, which was in called Ensuring Responsible Development of Digital Assets. That's the title of the executive order. In that executive order, he said, we are going to move from paper-based money to a central bank digital currency here in America underneath the, the auspices of the Federal Reserve. So then March 29th of 2022, Dr. Pippa Malmgren, who's like the chief economist for the World Economic Forum, she was giving a speech at the World Government Summit in Abu Dhabi, and she started talking about programmable money. So this is the first time that programmable money came into the mainstream talking points about central bank digital currency. Well, what, is, what does she mean by programmable money? Well, we don't have to think about it. She actually said it. She said programmable money is going to be digital currency, your wallet, that's tied to your digital social profile, your social credit score, your ESGs, if you're a company, right? And so you basically it's a it's a mirror, your, your digital social profile is a mirror image of you to the world because what you spend your money on is who you are. And then she said, because it's programmable, if we don't like what you're spending your money on, we can cut you off from buying or selling. That's what programmable money means in their own words. So now let's fast forward to March 6th of 2023. The Bank of for International Settlements, so many people, the Bank for International Settlements has been around since 1930. And what it's supposed to do <laughs> is foster dialogue, collaboration, knowledge sharing um, among central banks and other authorities uh, because they're supposed to promote financial stability globally. Well, the Bank for International Settlements is owned by 63 central banks. So it's supposed to bring in financial stability, right? This is, keep this in mind, this is their talking points, their messaging to the rest of the world on what, what they want. So, so in March 6 of 2023, they expose Project Icebreaker. So Project Icebreaker is simply a replacement of the SWIFT system. So SWIFT system is how banks wire funds from bank to bank. So it's like a messaging board. The SWIFT system would say, hey, 
Bank of America that has Dr. Jim Garlow's account. Um, he he requested that a wire for four thousand dollars be sent to um, his friend at J.P. Morgan Chase. So the SWIFT system would tell Bank of America to send four thousand, and they also notify Chase that they're going to receive four thousand. Without that messaging board, nothing could ever be sent. So Project Icebreaker is a replacement for that because that system is based on a clearinghouse for paper money, and it's about 40 years old, and it, they think that it needs to be updated to something that's digital for real-time transfer of money, like Venmo or PayPal or your Apple wallet, right? 365 days a year, 24-7, instantaneous money transfer. Here's where Project Icebreaker gets really ugly, really fast, is that in their own words, they say, if the ideology doesn't match up with our ideology on the use of the funds, we will stop the bank wire from happening. So that's Project Icebreaker. It brings ideology in to the use of funds and whether or not fund you can have access to the money in your own account. See, that matches up with OP1670, which brought in the fourth function of money as a means of social control, right? So, so now go to May 31st of 2023, just a couple weeks later, Bank of Internet for International Settlements unleashes Project Aurora. So Project Aurora is simply real-time transaction monitoring of every person and every company in every bank in every country. It's like, okay, that's like everybody that has a bank account they're going to monitor in real time all of your transactions. Well, when you start to add that up with these other things that we've just mentioned, real-time transaction monitoring to match up with Project Icebreaker, does, does the use of funds going to match up with their ideology? And go back to Dr. Pippa Momgren, what she said is with it being programmable, we can actually stop you from actually buying or selling in real time, right? So this is where why I started with Revelation 13, 16. Nobody can buy or sell, right? Unless they have the mark, right? If, you know, if it looks like a duck, walks like a duck, sounds like a duck, it's probably a duck, right? So, so to me, this sounds very much like what a mark of the beast might look like, right? Because now we've got this, the technology behind it and they're bragging about it, Dr. Jim. They're bragging about how they can cut you off from buying or selling if your use of funds doesn't match up with theirs. So what could that look like? Let's say that you're out there and you're, you're talking about, oh, pedophilia or child sex trafficking, or that you're, you're, you're talking negatively about oh, global warming or carbon footprint or whatever. And it's like, this, this Dr. Jim guy, it's like, we don't like his message. He's not in it for the good of the, of the global you know, populace. Let's just cut him off from being able to even access his bank account, right? So they are going to control you through a certain, certain mechanism, which they've now built with the central bank digital currency. Now, there's one piece of central bank digital currency that hadn't been developed yet until just now. So central bank digital currency is the basically the repository, the debit and credit system that's all of your money that's tied to your digital social profile or who you are, because what you spend your money on is really who you are, right? So, but it needs a conduit. It needs a tunnel 
from you and your money to that system. Well, now they've got that with the FedNow app. So on March 15th of this year, the FedNow app was released. Well, actually, it was uh, the, the world was told about it, um, which was actually mentioned in that federal docket OP1670. But the Federal Reserve told everybody through a board of government, a board of governors of the Federal Reserve memorandum that on April 1st of this year, so a little bit ago, right? that they're going to start releasing this for, with four international money center banks like HSBC, Wells Fargo, and a couple of other ones. I, and then on by July 18th of this year, they wanted full marketing, full messaging to all banks, small, medium, large, and credit unions to say, hey, bank customers, get this FedNow app on your phone. And, and this is the tunnel from you and your money to the central bank digital currency. Now, they didn't actually start with four banks like what they said they were going to do. I checked yesterday, and they actually started with 57 banks in, in the beta test before it goes on to having all banks start to market this. Okay, so now go back to just a few weeks ago, June 20th of 2023. The United Nations basically, or I'm sorry, the uh, not the United Nations, the Bank for International Settlements has this, this report on their website, bis.org, uh, the blueprint for future monetary system, improving the old and enabling the new. I think they should rename it to killing the old and enslaving the new, right? Basically, what's what it is. But because they they basically came up with a new term called the unified ledger. So the unified ledger, it's a new plan that I would say is very Orwellian, very big brother, very globalist run idea that records the ownership of all assets, checking accounts, real estate, bonds, stocks, et cetera, on a centralized exchange that's run by the globalists. So all assets will be tokenized. So what do I mean by tokenized? Um, so if anybody is familiar with like cryptocurrency, Tokenization just means pulling in data and putting it into a package, like in, into a, a snowball, right? All of this data, all of your assets are in this one package. Now, with a cryptocurrency like Bitcoin, for example, um, it's decentralized. So you don't know who owns that packet, that tokenization process. You don't know what the source of the funds were. You don't know what the source of the funds are going to be used for. It's completely private. That's what decentralization does in a cryptocurrency world. Now, on a centralized central bank digital currency, the opposite happens because you have the central bank that controls all of that data. They're tokenizing it, but they're doing just more than your cryptocurrency. All of your assets, even houses, are going to be put into this system and then they're going to know what the source of funds were, what they're going to be used for, because they're monitoring all your transactions in real time. And it's it's programmable because they know who the owner is. And so the nature of decentralized, like Bitcoin, let's just keep saying that, decentralized would be it's immutable and it's non-programmable meaning it can never be changed. Whatever the assets are that are put into this package, it can never be changed. What they can do is program it so they can change 
how it's used. So that means when this happens, you are essentially giving up your ownership of all your assets and they can be revoked or altered at any time according to the social engineering desires of the globalist. So again, if you speak out against child sex trafficking or maybe child transmutations or, or your carbon footprint or anything like that, you your assets could vanish from this unified ledger. So that's why you've heard some of these globalist institutions like at the World Economic Forum say, well, you could, you're not going to own nothing and you're going to like it, right? So those comments didn't make sense until now. Now, this centralized globalist controlled unified ledger, it does stand in, in sharp contrast with other cryptocurrencies because it's no longer private. Now, take this one step further. June 27th through the 29th, during the 14th annual meeting of the new champions in Tianjin, China, Cornell University professor Eswar Prasad shared his thoughts on the impending disappearance of physical currency. This is an exact quote. He said, you could have a potentially better, or some people might say a darker world, where the government decides that units of central bank money can be used to purchase some things, but not other things that are deemed less desirable. So then he starts bragging about, it's like, look, imagine the world where we could stop the purchase of drugs where we could stop the purchase of pornography. I'm in favor of all that. Or we could stop the purchase of ammunition sales. It's like, what? They just, they just exposed their ideology. They put ammunition in the same category as drugs and pornography, right? So, so this is where they were bragging about what a central bank digital currency could do. And I think that's an extremely dangerous notion because who knows what they're going to deem as desirable or not desirable down the road? What if, like in Canada, that Nathaniel was talking about, they don't like what, what a church is talking about and say, that's hate speech. Well, we're not going to let any donations go to that church anymore. Anybody who's giving a donation, we're going to cut that off, right? So this is where our political freedoms, our economic freedoms, our social freedoms, our religious freedoms, our health freedoms, they're all tied together at the hip. If we lose one of them, we lose all of them. Literally, we lose all of them. So then this report, so then there was a report in March of 2023. It goes back a little bit, but these notes are just starting to come out within the last week or two. Outlined a paper from the UN Secretary General declaring, quote, I propose that the General Assembly provide the Secretary General and the United Nations system with a standing authority to convene and operationalize automatically an emergency platform in the event of a future complex global shock of sufficient scale, severity, and reach. We don't have to think about what a complex global shock could be because the next paragraph, they explain it. What are some examples that could trigger a global shock of sufficient scale and, and emergency authority? It could be a major climatic event, future pandemic risk, a global digital connectivity disruption, a major event in outer space, outer space, seriously, space cadets, but this is what they're talking about, or a general unforeseen risk like a black swan event. It goes on to suggest that the UN would have the power to oversee the stakeholders of the world. Oh, we don't have to speculate on who the stakeholders of the world are either because they name them, academics, governments, private sector actors, and international financial institutions.
Okay, this is where the banking crisis comes in, right? To ensure that there's unified global response to whatever crisis is declared. Now, it goes on further in this paper to suggest that the authority would ensure that all of these actors make commitments that contribute meaningfully to the response. And while the emergency authority would have an initial finite lifespan, like talk about COVID, it's like, okay, this is going to last three months, nine months, a year, and then this, this emergency authority goes away. It says the UN would be able to extend it indefinitely if it saw fit to do so. Now, by September 15th of 2024, in that same paper that was authored in March of 2023, the UN is going to, this is their deadline for themselves. September 15th of 2024, a new global biometric ID card tied to all of your bank accounts. So you add all of these pieces together, Jim, and we've got, what do we have? We've got the UN, the World Economic Forum, the Bank for International Settlements, the Central Bank, the Federal Reserve, and now 110 central banks around the world all going into towards this platform. But they have one big hurdle. The United States is still the world's reserve currency, right? You have to get by, you have to get past them to usher in a new currency system because we are still the reserve world, world's reserve currency. However, this is being derailed underneath our eyes right now. It's like right underneath our nose because you've got the BRICS nations, Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa, the BRICS nations are dismantling the world's reserve currency status of the US dollar by having bilateral trade agreements that have been around since 1944 saying, hey, all international oil settlements have to be traded in US dollars. That had a built-in demand for our currency. Even though we are printing money like there's no tomorrow, we still had a built-in demand for it because it was needed for international settlements. Well, Brazil is cutting deals with China to trade in the yuan. Iran, Saudi Arabia, and Russia are now trading in, in the ruble. It's like, imagine this one. Iran and Saudi Arabia getting along for the first time ever, really, because of religious, religious differences. But economically, it now makes sense. Right? You've got Mexico that's now wanting to be part of, of the BRICS nations. See, imagine, you know, you've got China on the border of the su southern border anyways, right? But imagine if now Mexico is part of the BRICS nations, how loosely now we're going to have a, a border crisis down there, right? So, so what they're doing is they're dismantling demand for the U.S. dollar. They're kicking the big kid out of the sandbox so they can replace it. Because imagine their marketing that they have to have on this, because we just explained what they're doing. So, Dr. Jim, if I were if I were the, the marketing PR person for, for the United Nations, and I'd say, hey, have we got a deal for you. We're a government-run digital bank that has the ability to cut you off from buying or selling if we don't like you. You want in? It's like, no, nobody in their right mind would ever want to do that. But if there's a crisis that's bad enough, banks failing, because we've already seen five banks fail in America, but a report two weeks ago from Weiss Ratings said there's 4,243 U.S. banks on the verge of failure. So when people start to get separated from their money, this is when we start to give away our freedom, saying, please help us. Government, please take control. Please give us something, anything. We need to feed our families, right? So you create a crisis. It's really bad. The best way to do that with America 
is through the banking system because it separates us from our money. And this is what they're doing. So now, because of, of lack of, of global leadership in our current administration, why do I say that? Because you go back to October, President Biden was, was at an ice cream shop being, being you know, interviewed by a reporter saying, are you concerned about the demise of the US dollar? The answer is a flat out, no, I'm not. But I am concerned about the demise of the global economy. It's like, what? What country are you the president of? Are you the president of the world or the president of the United States, right? So if I were Xi in China or Putin in Russia, I'd, I'd look at that statement and say, sweet, we now have, they're not, they're not going to retaliate. They're not going to respond negatively when we take away that world's reserve currency status. Because this is where I think everything that we are seeing, Dr. Jim, is a physical manifestation of a spiritual battle that's being waged that we saw you know, written out in Revelation 13, 16, that said people could not buy or sell, right? So this is exactly what's happening now, but there's solutions. There's, we have to keep our eye on the prize. We have to keep our eye on the solution because in the midst of the storm, Jesus can bring us peace. He can bring us understanding. Holy Spirit downloads to creatively get through this. And, and what are we starting to see? We're starting to see states like Texas issue start going with pending legislation right now for a state chartered bank that gets out of the federal system and their bank is going to be backed by gold. Now, Alaska has followed suit. You've got DeSantis in Florida, which is saying we're not going to accept these CBDCs in Florida. There's no way we don't we don't like the, the intrusion on freedom that it represents. And you've got other states, Arkansas, Louisiana, Utah. Wyoming, Oklahoma, that are now saying we can use gold as legal tender. See, starting to get out of that system, there's like this groundswell of, of opposition to the overreach that we're seeing financially. And this is where God always gives us a solution. He can always bring peace at the end of the storm, peace during the storm. We just have to, like what Nathaniel is doing, start to stand up for what's right, for truth, and, and start making your, your voice heard by the politicians and say, do not, do not allow central bank digital currency in this country. Do not allow the FedNow app to restrict freedoms from Americans. Do not give up our sovereign decision-making power that we vote a president in to act on behalf of the country. And they're giving it up to somebody that just simply has a job at the Bank for International Settlements or at the United Nations, not even an elected official that's now trying to determine the financial future for the rest of the world, just giving it to somebody who has a job? You joking, right? So this is where we as believers have a, a trump card up our sleeve, right? And that is we know what the power of prayer can do. We know what we can do when God gives us wisdom and courage and, and knowledge and discernment to navigate through this, allocate our finances properly, get out of the path of that hurricane, and let our voice be heard by politicians that this is not okay. Because if we start losing our financial freedoms, we will lose all of them, Dr. Jim. That was an exceptional presentation. Um, how can they contact you for information? couple different ways. I mean, you can simply just call our office 
Say it one more time and say it slower, folks. You grab a pen right now. Here we go. 720-605-3900. Or you can go to our website, kirkelliotphd.com that has two L's and two T's. So that's kirkelliotphd.com. Okay. And uh, Holly, if you could help us out and put that phone number, if you got it, put that on the uh, Facebook. Uh, people watch, most all the people watch on what we call Subsplash, but some are on Facebook right now. So if we could post it there, Holly, if you're able to do that, that would be that would be great. Uh, we followed very closely the phenomenon of what was happening in Texas. Kevin Freeman was on a number of times. He's a very close friend. And he, uh, it looked like it was getting very close unless a special session was called, which I don't think it was. It did not get through the session. Unfortunately, Texas only meets once every other year, their legislature. So uh, I don't think it has passed there, though it was looking pretty promising, uh, but the clock ran out on them there. I appreciate so much. Uh, your. I have said so many times to people, political freedom, economic freedom, and religious liberty stand and fall together when one goes down. The other two go with it, or when one rises, it pulls the other two up with it. You've added health, liberty, and well, you should after what we've just been through. You targeted a date specifically July 18th. We're sitting here talking on July 16th. July 18th, what was that uh, one more time? And are they on schedule for what they plan to do on July 18th? Yeah, they're on schedule. I mean, or within a week away, right, from everything that I've seen. So that doesn't mean that the whole country is going to be on central bank digital currency on July 18th. It means that they're going to release the marketing to all bank customers by the end of this month, let's call it, um, instead of just those, those beta test banks that were starting to release since April 1st, the FedNow app. So if your bank says, hey, you got to take this FedNow app, I would find another bank. Because I believe that is the conduit from you and your money to the central bank digital currency, which looks and smells to me like a mark of the beast kind of a system. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But oh my word, the ability to cut you off from buying or selling if they don't like you, isn't that what Revelation 13, 16 talks about? Well, a number of the big banks have already been doing that to a number of people, uh, including some of my friends. Uh, Nick Bujek, the man with no arms and no legs, talks openly. When he woke up one morning, could not get access to anything in his bank. He was quite shocked by that. And I've heard that from now way too many people at this point. Are, are the credit unions somewhat immune from some of this to some measure? Not necessarily immune to it. However, I think they'll be slower to act. So because they also have um, insurance through like the federal, you know, the F they don't have FDIC insurance. They have their own kind of a thing. But credit unions, too, also use a lot of times like a, a program by Jack Henry and Associates. So if you have mobile banking on your phone and you're a small, like independent type bank or credit union, you would use them to get that mobile app on your phone. Jack Henry, according to the FedNow, um, if you go to the Federal Reserve and look at the FedNow and the, the number of participating institutions, Jack Henry is one of them. So this is going to spread. This is where the snowball in momentum starts to be created by the end of this month. So, But overall, credit unions, because they're owned by the members and they tend to be locally owned, they're not going to do anything drastic like some of your big ones, like J.P. Morgan Chase, Bank of America, City, Wells Fargo, right, that are basically creating this system. They're going to be slower to act, but, but ultimately, 
I think uh, because they're still tied to the Fed system and federal insurance on deposits, that they'll be gobbled up. See, imagine if you were a shepherd, right? And you've got a lot of independent bank owners that are Christian patriots like us. It's like, we're not, we're not, we don't want to participate in this. You know, so you're going to have kind of uh, a lot of opposition to this program. So what's happening right now is consolidation in the banking financial world. You've got big banks buying up medium banks, medium banks buying up small banks. The estimates right now are within the next 10 years that 50% of the banks in America will be gone. Not necessarily gone, gone, but a new name owned by a larger bank. Right. So, so you're seeing consolidation because if you're a shepherd and you're trying to corral thousands of sheep, you know, some of them are going to be drinking water from the river. Some of them are going to be, you know, chasing butterflies and some are going to be jumping off cliffs. And it's like, I, I can't manage all of these sheep. Right. But if you only had six or seven, it would be pretty easy to do. This is where consolidation is a very important part of their plan because the six or seven big international money center banks that are gobbling up all the small ones make their resistance less and their job easier to accomplish this goal. Over the years, preppers have always gotten a bad name, but it's a godly act for a person who wants to prepare for his family in the event of a, of a natural or a man-made disaster. What role in this kind of situation uh, does gold and silver play? Huge. I mean, it's it's a get out of the system kind of a currency. I mean, gold and silver are are not dealer non-reportable. They're private transactions. You can take delivery of it. You could use silver for barter in a worst case scenario, right? But but it's not a digital asset. And what we're talking about here is not being a digital slave in their digital world that they're creating, right? So if you have a tangible asset like gold or silver, it actually gets you out of the system. The other thing that I was referencing is, I think, a way to get out of this, the federal system is a state-chartered bank, right, that, that isn't going to be tied to that beast-like system. Um, you know, you had talked about Texas, you know, kind of losing that because of what Kevin Freeman said, at least for the time being, they just couldn't get it done in time. But there's other states that are going to be following suit. I'm very encouraged by what DeSantis is doing in Florida. I'm encouraged by what Alaska is doing. I'm encouraged by what some of the other states are doing. And I think what we're seeing here is a movement away from this juggernaut of complete control by the feds into more of a state's rights kind of a system. And if you could get a state chartered bank that's not tied to the Fed, this, this could be very interesting. Now, because you look at the FDIC insurance, I mean, this is another problem that's that's just on the cusp, just boiling underneath the, the surface level. Only 0.7% of all banking transactions, basically banking deposits nationally, are even covered by it. They only have about $90 billion of assets at the FDIC to cover $17 trillion worth of deposits. Forget the $250,000 threshold. This is why Janet Yellen, chairwoman of the Fed, said, we're not going, they're too big to fail. Uh -uh. We're not going to bail out any more banks like Silicon Valley Bank. We're going to do bail-ins, which means that the depositors at those banks are going to be responsible for their own bank failing. If, if you, I'm going to give you an impossible task. In five minutes, any person here who's listening who has never, ever uh, bought gold or silver, give them a crash course in five minutes. What kind of how, how do they purchase it, the gold? How do they sell how do you, silver? And how could they potentially, in the moment of a crisis, a man-made disaster or a natural disaster, 
what does that gold and silver have to be in so they could actually use it in some kind of barter if our culture, we found ourselves in that environment? Yeah. Okay. Really good question. I can do it quicker than five minutes. So first, just give us a call, go to our website, set up an appointment. You'll talk to one of our advisors. We'll listen to your dreams, goals, aspirations, concerns, right? And then build a a portfolio that can help you navigate through this crisis, right? So here we have to remember, not all dealers are created the same, not all gold is created the same, not all silver is created the same. Even though it says gold or silver, it might not be good gold or silver, right? So so you you see all kinds of, of ads on, you know, uh, Fox and Friends or on TV or on these Patriot podcasts. Um, a lot of them are selling really high-priced collectible or semi-collectible type things. Do not, do not. The key to wealth and key to safety is low cost, low premium bullion, which I can, on with six things, I can tell you the only things you should ever allocate into, and they're physical. It's not a mutual fund. It's not a mining share. It's not an ETF. These are physical gold or silver, right? So on the silver side, depending on the size of the account, 1,000 ounce bars, 100 ounce bars, 10 ounce bars, one ounce silver rounds, or on the gold side, uh, a one ounce gold bar, or a kilo bar. That's it. If it's not one of those, you should not buy them, right? Because our goal is to minimize risk and maximize return. The, the best way to do that is to maximize your ounces. Now, in a crisis like what we're talking about, you know, uh, you know, where, where merchants no longer want the currency anymore because it's collapsing, or, or you've got a lot of Catholics, evangelicals, uh, the, in, in our Judeo-Christian world, there are going to be people saying, this is the mark of the beast. We're not taking the Fed now out, right? So, so what do you do? They're not going to take it, but they still need to make money as merchants. So they'll take, this is where a barter type system comes into play. So if you have a lot of one ounce rounds, you could trade it back and forth with local merchants, with farmers, ranchers for meat or eggs or whatever, right? Now, you're not going to probably be able to use that at your big stores, like your Walmarts, your Targets, your Costcos, or, you know, ExxonMobil for gas, right? Because they're going to be part of the bigger globalist system. But small independent operators who want to survive, they will do that. Now, how do I know that? Because other countries where currencies have collapsed, Venezuela, Argentina, Weimar Republic, Germany after World War I, Zimbabwe, when their currency collapses, they go into a barter economy almost overnight. Anything can be used for barter. Barter is just a means of exchange. You could use bullets or vodka or cigarettes or gold or silver, right? Or whatever you want that somebody else wants, you could use. Now, gold and silver, especially silver because it's low in value, it's got a consistent size, it's portable, and it's a means of exchange. That's actually the definition of currency, right? So you have a de facto currency in small one-ounce silver pieces that you could use to exchange back and forth. Outside of that worst case scenario, silver's just doing really well. I mean, good grief, it was up 9% in three days last week, right? So when people are calling me gripped and paralyzed with fear, fear does two things. It either causes you to not act or it causes you to make the wrong decision. No, that's not how God created us. He created us with wisdom and discernment and sound mind and courage and boldness. So when you act on that, silver, I mean, it was $11.91 an ounce in, in March of 2020. So three and a half years, it's up over 100%. That's just a great investment, right? But it also does double duty as a means of exchange in a time of crisis when paper money is going away and we don't want to be part of a digital system. Now, my team will help you through that. We can do it through an IRA or a non-IRA, cash accounts, 
right? Your, your retirement accounts, but the key is physical silver. And we'll, we'll cross the T's, dot the I's, help you navigate through it to make the transition easy, the burden light, and we'll, we'll get this done quickly and easy for you. Because a lot of people don't do it because they don't understand. And they say, man, this is going to be hard. I've never done that before. It's like we make it really, really easy for you to thrive in this economy. Okay, one more time. Phone number and say it twice. Email and say it twice. And then if people want you to speak at their church or some group they're affiliated with, how can they contact you? Go ahead. So 720-605-3900. That's 720-605-3900. And that's our website on the screen, kirkelliottphd.com. If you want to email us, just simply email schedule at kirkelliottphd.com. Um, it'll get you with one of my advisors if you want to set me up for a speaking engagement that, you know, you can talk to my, my schedulers about that. But those are the, the, the mechanisms to get to us. Phone, email, or simply go to our website and hit contact us. You know, Kirk, you've done such an exceptional job on this. I'm going to have you, I'm going to have you a lead in prayer for the listeners. You've, uh, you've done a very wonderful balanced, uh, by, by the way, he has, he has uh, two doctorates. One of them is in theology. The other one is in what? Public policy and administration. I, I focused on monetary policy, like central banking stuff. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please read the show notes for additional details if you would like a copy of the book or resources mentioned. Remember that WellVersed is a 501c3 tax-deductible nonprofit organization. We rely on your support and partnership. Don't forget to hit subscribe to keep up to date with our latest episodes. Leave us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. Thank you for listening to the Well-Versed Podcast. For more information, please go to www.wellversedworld.org.